Praise the Lord. We, we have not a guest, but one who has come home. Miss Virgin Nail, right over here, y'all. Give God a hand. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, all right, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Hebrews 11.5. Hebrews 11.5. Hebrews 11, we'll, we'll read verse 1 and then verse 5. We know this as uh, what's called the faith chapter. I wonder how many of our names would be in this chapter had we have come along in those days. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, this was his testimony, that he pleased God. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Lord, I, do, I want to please you. I don't want anything in the way of me doing what you asked me to do, of going where you asked me to go, and staying as long as you asked me to stay. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to be back in your house this evening. Thank you for Miss Virginelle being in our presence this evening. Father, thank you for her life. Thank you for her faith and her faithfulness. Thank you for her presence. Now we pray for those uh, children, young teenagers that was in that wreck. Lord, be with those families that are suffering right now. Just be with them in a mighty way. May this be an example for others of what can happen when you're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Lord, we just pray that you'd touch them in a special way. We pray for our KFC, Lord. We, I don't understand what's going on, but we thank you that John is willing to go with one. You said where two or three are gathered, you'd be there. And Lord, we're counting on you. We want to be faithful to you. We want it to be said of us that we are and we're faithful. Bless every home that's represented in the room tonight. Thank you so much for those who have come back this evening. For any guests that might be here, we pray for them. We pray for our, our work week. Lord, you know what's ahead of, of us and where we will be, and I just pray that you'd go before us. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Not much is said about Enoch, but his story is found in uh, Genesis, the fifth chapter, uh, beginning with verse 24, it's, it simply says, uh, Enoch walked, notice, with God. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. Enoch was the daddy of Methuselah. Enoch was 365 years old when God took him. And I thought about, what would it be like today? Enoch would appear in the missing person's bulletin. He would appear in the newspapers. Man of God vanishes. Everybody would be searching. They'd be searching on horseback, foot, four-wheelers, airplanes, helicopters, wherever. They'd be looking for traces. But when God does something, he does it right. You say, well, the family didn't even have an opportunity to to have a funeral service. That's God's business. It's God's business. 
Many years ago, many years ago, there was a man that I went to visit, and he said, I can't read, and I can't write. I said, you don't have to be able to read, and you don't have to be able to write. All you have to do is be able to believe. Long story short, he accepted Christ. I baptized him. He was probably 70 plus years old. And we left the church and were gone. And we got word one day that he had died. The lady that called me, she said, Kenny, they, they're not even going to have a service. Said they just, the funeral home just took him out and buried him um, with no service. So she says, I want to do my best to get up some kind of memorial service if I can get people to do it. I said, you call me, I'll do my best to be there because I, I knew him. No trace. And it was gone. Out of sight, but thank God not out of mind. We even talk about the faith of Enoch uh, today. And I think about this. The bottom line was he just, he obeyed the master in many ways. We just want to look at three simple ways that Enoch obeyed the master. First of all, plain and simple, he pleased God. I'd like to know that I do that all the time, but I don't. Pleasing God. Sometimes we please others instead of pleasing God. Why? Because we see others. We know what they're going to say. We don't see God. We don't hear him speak audibly. So we choose to follow others, listen to others, obey others, please others. But Enoch pleased God. I think sometimes about his children you know, maybe, well, they had an example, a very good example. Of, they could say, my daddy pleased God. Now, you know yourself, we either please God or we displease God. Jesus said, you're for me or you are against me. And we have to decide what is first in our life. Really, truly, what is first? How can we please God? By putting off the works of the flesh. What, uh, what are the works of the flesh? Uh, uh, the Bible talks about um, man, flesh means that old man. Uh, what we as born-again children of God used to be. What we used to, uh, where we used to go and how we used to talk. Someone gave me a testimony this um, week before last now of one of our folk and said, I want to tell you something. When he got saved, he got saved. Said his eating habits even changed. I mean, that, that's a testimony, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. But the, the old man, he's hard to overcome because we know what it was like. And that flesh says, hey, what's it going to hurt? One more little small time, what's it going to hurt? We think about the flesh and that un, when we were unregenerated, when we were unsaved and the things that we did, Human nature, you don't have to turn, but if you want to, if I hear you turning, I will wait on you to turn to Galatians 5. Talking about the, uh, the works of the flesh and how the flesh draws. You see, the, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us that. We, we, worship, we fight against the, the principalities of the devil and, and the darkness. So, Galatians 5. 
Verse 19. Here is what we wrestle against. Maybe not all of them, but I guarantee you, this list will hit some of us, if not all of us. It says, now the works of the flesh are made visible. Which are these? Adultery. And sometimes we see that. It's, it makes itself uh, visible. Fornication, it makes itself visible. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, inhumance, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murders, darkness, revilings, and such like, of which I tell you, Paul says, before I have told you in times past, that they which do such things, listen to what he says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He don't say maybe might get in. He says will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to put off the works of the flesh if we want to please God. And secondly, by presenting our bodies to him. You say, well, I'm old. I don't feel good. I don't, I'm not worth anything to anybody. Yes, you are. If you can't physically do, physically do anything, you can pray. You can pray for one another. You can pray for your church. You can pray for the sick. You can pray for the lost. There is many things that we can do when we think we can't uh, do anything. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, he said, that's the most reasonable thing you can do. And he says, be not, help me out, be not conformed to this world and the world's ways, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, and listen, perfect will of God. God's will is perfect. If you want to live in your perfect life, get right in the middle, smack in the middle of his will, and do your best to stay there. Some of you, I'm satisfied, have been more places than I have been. But one of the places I'm thinking about is the Chattooga River in a raft when they said stay. And they would, uh, I was with a guide, thank goodness, and he said, okay, we're coming up on some real rough rapids. Stay in the middle. Whatever you do, stay in the middle. Because if you get out of the middle, you're going to be in big trouble. And we would be about four or five rafts back, and you'd see some. They'd drift off, and by I mean, it was awful. This one particular uh, route that we were on, or trip, I, I, the man had one leg. And it was an artificial leg, the other one was. And he was one of those that, that was in a raft that got out of the center, went over an awful rapid and was thrown out up against a rock and had to be lifted out of that place because he got away from the center where we were told to go. God's saying, stay in the center of my will because if you drift left or right, you're asking for trouble. There's trouble out there, and he names those things. Well, you want to please God by doing good to others. Romans 15, 1 through 3 says, um, We then that are strong, listen to this, strong in the Lord, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We see somebody suffering, hey, we ought to go by their side and help them along the pathway that they're going through. And not to please ourselves, it says. 
that every one of us please his neighbor and for his good to edification. In verse 3, listen to what this says. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me, to accuse and not be guilty. Our Lord wanted to please his Father, and we know his prayer. I don't want to go this cross way, I want to go this way. But he said, whatever your will is. And the will was straight down the middle of the cross. And that's where he went. So, we see Enoch who pleased God. Secondly, we see Enoch, according to Scripture, he walked with God. Others had walked, the Bible says, before. But if you read that verse, it says, but Enoch walked with God. With God. Now, uh, that means in agreement with. And if we're walking with God, we're, our walking will indicate progress. We will advance in the kingdom of God. Not that we're going to get more than anybody else. Not that we're going to be ahead of anybody else. But people will notice our growth in the Lord. And God has blessed me. He has allowed me to see some of you growing in the Lord. You've taken on responsibilities and you have stepped up to the plate. That is growth in the Lord, wanting to do what God asks you to do. See, walking with God is the privilege that all of us as Christians can have. We can have that privilege. But first, there has to be reconciliation. The Bible talks about being reconciled to God. We were born enemies of God. The Bible says we were. We were born enemies of God. And we had to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and be reconciled to him. And then he tells us to be reconciled um, to one another. That's where it come, becomes tough. If you're going to walk with God, you're not only asking God to forgive you, but you've got to ask others. We must ask others to forgive us. He says, if you don't forgive others, then I'm not going to forgive you. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Nothing difficult or hard, excuse me, hard about it, but it is difficult. Why? Because of the flesh. That old nature said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with there and tell them I'm sorry. I wouldn't go there and tell them I'm responsible. You don't have to do that. God knows your heart. Yes, he does. He knows our heart, and he will forgive if we forgive others and ask him for forgiveness. Well, Enoch, he pleased God. He walked with God. But last, listen, Enoch witnessed. He witnessed for God. Can you imagine those that he had witnessed to probably joined in on the search for Enoch? I'm serious. I believe they searched for him. I mean, the Bible don't say that they did, but hey, human nature, they would be looking for him, would they not? Sure they would. Just like we, we put out all point bulletins searching for people when they take missing. And I wonder sometimes when they take missing on the lake all by themselves, when they take missing hiking on a trail all by themselves, why in the world would anybody want to go in these places all by themselves? Well, it's just human nature. You know, I can handle it. I don't want to bother anybody. I can handle this. I can do this. Well, we can't always do this. Sometimes it's uh, out of our hand, and we don't need to, to come to the point and say, well, you know, I don't want to bother anybody. I've had several phone calls. People say, I hate to bother you. Listen, you bothered me going on five years ago. Hello? 
I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. So it's not a bother. You understand? It is not a bother. If you need me, you call me. I told you in the beginning before you call me, I'm retired. That means I'm off every day unless you call me. Just call me. If you want me there, fine. If you don't, you just want prayers, okay. But call me, it's okay. You say, can you imagine how many phone calls I get? Well, hey, here again. Thank goodness for flip phone. I, I didn't misplace. I laid my phone down this afternoon, and I was away from my phone. When I got back to the phone, I looked and had a missed call. I called the person right back. Hey, I'm sorry. I figured you was resting. I said, I was. Tell the truth. I was. I was resting. Y'all pray for Lynn. She's somewhere between here and Simpsonville. <laughs> Making baby deliveries. <laughs> the girl needs a rest, let me tell you. And here it is, I'm fixing to be broke down for a day or two, and she needs rest. I'm going to do my best not to bother her. I have, um, let's see, what do you call this thing uh, at, the, at the beginning of a new year? Resolutions. I made a resolution. I'm going to tell you what it is. I made a re- resolution, and I have broken it twice so far, and we're just in March. I made my resolution to Lynn. I said, look, I'm going to stop saying, I don't want to bother you. I'm going to ask you, will you do this? Or either I'm going to tell you, this is what I'd love for you to do. And so far, I've I've messed up twice. And I said, oh, I didn't mean to say it, but it was already out. I don't want to bother you. Okay? You can't retract that. But we can work on it. And I'm still working on it. Hey, if I can get through March, and I've got to try to get through April, and hopefully, I'll keep you posted. She, she may keep you posted. But in it, he witnessed for God. You see, in it was a seventh, listen to this. He was the seventh generation from Adam. Seventh generation from Adam. Okay? We, where did he get his knowledge? Hey, just like today, one generation away. But he's in the, he is a part of the seventh generation of Adam who prophesied in Jude. Jude picked up on it. Jude found his writings. And, and here's what he says. Here's what Jude said. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And you know, when I read that, I thought about this. If, if we as Christians have already died and buried, when Jesus comes back, we're going to be among the tens of thousands. But I'd love to be on the other side. I'd love to be able to look up as I'm flying through the air and see that tens of thousands are coming this way. It's amazing. I mean, what, what uh, Jude picked up um, about what um, Enoch said, the seventh generation from Adam prophesying. And when he comes, there'll be ten thousands of saints coming with him. You see, the work and witness of the church today is the greatest work that we can be in. The greatest work that we can be. I'm excited about our children's wing. I hope if you haven't been through there, you need to go through there. When that thing is finished, it's going to be exciting. Um, I heard comments this morning as people walking through it, an ooh and an ah, and, and hey, it's not even finished yet. Um, but I praise God for all who have worked so diligently uh, to put the thing together. And I believe, I believe it's going to be at least one drawing card for our church.
you know, so many um, churches, they don't have a place for children. You know, you just, they just got to sit there. But, hey, our children need to learn and learn on their own. Um, I was so excited to hear the uh, children's church lesson this morning. And some of you, if you have children in that children's church, you know they talked about tithing. And they all fixed them up a little jug, a little plastic jug, looked like what pretzels come in, and had a little slot in the top of it. And uh, they talked to them about it, and each one got a dime to put in their tithing jug. Well, I had promised Arden before he left to go home that I had some coins. That's what he calls them. Coins, because he has a coin jug. And uh, so I got him, and I said, come here. He had little blue jeans on, and I, I filled both pockets about half full of coins. Oh, he was, he was weighted down. And uh, he had his little tithing jug. And uh, he was, put him in the car, and he was trying to get money out of his pocket to put in his tithing jug. I said, son, you can wait till you get home. You can show your mom and daddy what you got. And I said, every week you can put money in your little tithing jug. And they were taught this morning, hey, that's God's. Hey, if we can start early and change the hearts of the little ones, we won't have to worry about the big ones when they get there. Ernest E. Hobby, born in Cameroon, Africa, my friend who you have met, he told me one time, one man had a dream. He came to the States, got a four-year degree, Worked for Coca-Cola Company in Atlanta, Georgia, just prior to being president. He quit. He said, God has called me to go back home. He said, my people are dying lost. One man came up, or God instilled in him the ministry of bread for life. And he goes everywhere sharing that bread for life. One man. What can, what can one man do? Hey, he told me this. Somebody asked him, what can one man do? He said, listen, I can't do a thing about the old people. I can't change them. But as he, he, he said, if I can change the hearts of my young people in my nation, I can change my nation. And that's his goal. Uh, they are 20 years old this month. And he's been going and giving away bread. I was with him on one trip where he stopped by a local bakery. And I'm not exaggerating. These breads was probably 30 inches long and about that big around. And he filled the back end of that car full ever all he could get in it. And there were four of us riding. As we went through the village, he would blow the horn and people recognized him. They'd come running and he'd give out loaves of bread. Just bread. They'd come running. And it gave him an open door to share. And that's what he's doing. He's still spreading the word. He's still spreading the word of life, the bread of life, and still spreading and carrying uh, physical bread. So our church, we've got to be a witness. Hey, we, we're not hidden down in the woods like some churches. We're sitting on the main drag. And a lot of times what influences people to come is what's on the sign out there. What's on the sign. Wonder what that means. Wonder what they're doing. And as they see us gathering Hey, we need to be a witness because Jesus is coming back. It's the truth. There's nothing short about it. So we need to be like Enoch was. We need to do our best to please God, walk with God, and witness uh, for God.
And one day, we'll be like Enoch was. We will be taken up to heaven. Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Brother Danny Boggs, would you lead us in prayer, please?